This is Top Floor, episode 65. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 65. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast ride up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. This episode of Top Floor is all about holiday traditions. So I have a very special guest here to help me talk about it. This person is a restaurant owner. She's a real estate investor. She's a huge pain in the butt and she's my sister. Welcome, Kat Me. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. I'm so glad to have you back. And for those of you who want more Kat, you can listen to episode one and episode 53, where she acts like a professional grown-up adult. Today, I have a feeling that that is not going to happen. And so don't judge her purely based on this episode. Actually, do because this is really me. <laughs> exactly. This will be all the parts that we cut out of those other two episodes put into one holly jolly Christmas extravaganza. So before we jump into our discussion today, we need to answer the call button. The emergency call button is our hotline for hospitality professionals and basically just any random person off the street who has questions, whether they have to do with hotels, restaurants, or in this case, buying Christmas presents. So Kat, our question today comes from Julia. And Julia asks, I need gift ideas for the men in my life. Why are guys so hard to shop for? Julia, I could not agree more. Kat, what kind of gift ideas do you have for Julia? Well, I think that you can never go wrong with a generic gift card, Visa gift card, something like that. Although it's a kind that of is too easy. Think I of know. a better one. Okay. All right. My major go-to is a something of the month club. Ooh, that's good. And uh, it makes me think about one that mom got for both of our husbands and it was a coffee and vinyl record combo. And that was truly the highlight of the month when Mike, my husband would receive that. Yes. And I think, I mean, they've got like shaving beard stuff of the month and chocolate <laughs> of the month and cheese of the month. And you got Sean, my husband, a bacon of the month one time. And that was pretty cool. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm going to say something of the month because it's the gift that keeps on giving. Yes. And you can get it in different time periods. Like you can do only three months or six or a year. Like you don't have to spring for the full on year. Exactly. I I would say a go-to idea for me, especially for someone who you need to remember, like you need to get them something, but they have everything or you don't know them that well, or you just are really having a hard time. I think cashmere socks are a great gift because they're very luxurious and they feel like something fancy, but they're affordable. And I mean, they're socks. Like anyone can use a pair of socks, right? True. True. Good point. Do you have any cashmere socks? I do not. 
well, run, don't walk and try to get yourself some. I will take that advice. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any other go-to gift ideas? Maybe not just for the men in your life, but like any sort of, I don't know, emergency or backup plan gifts that you keep in your house or keep in the back of your mind to always have on hand? Yes. In fact, we just bought some yesterday. We wanted to cash in on some points. I don't know if you have credit cards that get points that you don't always redeem. There's certain points that we just don't turn into things. Mm -hmm. And so we went and bought gift cards and we bought a stack of DoorDash gift cards. Oh, that's a good idea. It doesn't matter if you're a 12-year-old or a 52-year-old. Everybody... DoorDashes. Yeah. That's uh, a at least really everybody in our life. So we've got that. And we have some generic cards that we have um, just tucked away just for that reason. That's an smart. emergency gift. One thing that I like to do for holiday shopping is go to all of the like artist and maker marts that, you know, where p- people set up their booths and they're selling candles and all this different kind of stuff. And I'll just buy the things that I think are appealing and hold on to them because I can always find someone to give that stuff to. And I really love the idea of shopping with the actual maker or the actual artist because I feel like that really makes an impact on their Christmas versus like buying something from a huge retailer where they could care less about my $25. You know what I mean? Totally. And I just am not that thoughtful. (laughs) (laughs) But you don't like to shop as much as I do. I just like the process of shopping. I find it very entertaining and fun. Yes. I also like to have scratchers uh, on the ready. What are scratchers? Scratch off lottery tickets. Uh, (laughs) Oh, that's a good idea too. I never think about that. You guys always do that. That's so smart. I should do that this year. Maybe. Maybe I'll just get myself some and see what happens. So normally the first part of the interview and discussion on top floor is all about your background and career. But because we've talked before and I know all about your background and your career, what I thought we should do instead is talk a little bit about when we were little and what we wanted to be when we grew up or what we thought we wanted to be when we grew up and how that actually played out. So do you have any recollection of different things you wanted to be when you were a little girl? A hundred percent. I always wanted to be a banker and or work with <laughs> a cash register. Yes, you wanted to be a cashier. That's what yeah. I thought you were going to say. Yeah. <laughs> or, or something to do with the cash register. And uh, remember, we would go to pawn shops on the weekend with dad and just shop and look at old timey cash registers. Yes. I mean, I just was obsessed. I needed yes. to own one. Uh, so do you remember our grandparents lived in this town called Graceville, Florida, like a pretty small town about an hour north of Panama City where we grew up. And there was a drugstore where our grandfather used to meet his coffee club every morning and we would always go there and get candy and blah, blah, blah. The drugstore was like the center of the social life of Graceville, Florida. And do you remember they had that old-fashioned, like old-timey, humongous cash register with like a million buttons on it? That was so cool. What do you think appealed to you about a cash register? I don't know. It It was a cash, I think. (laughs) Yeah, maybe it was. It was just having the money. It was your Um, love of money. Yeah. So I seriously, I was obsessed with it. And I'll never forget 
when I got my actual first cash register at the first uh, restaurant we opened. And it was an old school. It wasn't like a POS system. It was like the, you know, where you type in the buttons and all this. And I thought, I thought I was like, I've made it. Officially <laughs> made it. I have a real cash register with real cash money in it. That is so funny. And, and this is age 28 too. Let's keep that in mind. <laughs> you are a grown up lady. Um, so I was thinking about this question for me and there were all kinds of things I wanted to be when I grew up. But I think the, <laughs> the main thing I wanted to be was the boss. Like I didn't know what I wanted the business to do. I just wanted to be the boss of it. You know what I mean? I remember you always wanted to be that kind of falls in with being the boss, an adult. Ever since you were like <laughs> five years old, yes. you had a need to be like grown. It's true. And now the I couldn't be further from that. Like the opposite couldn't be more true. Um, but I, yeah, I just felt, I think I just always want to be in charge of something. I don't know. <laughs> and then for a long time, I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, and a politician, but right, yes. I, I didn't want to be a politician sort of the way people think of it now. I wanted to have, uh, this sounds so dorky, but I really wanted a life of community service. And so I thought that was the way you did it. Ha ha ha. Little did I know that that couldn't be further from the truth. But I don't think there was any world in which I envisioned being in hospitality, although... I used to play restaurant with this little girl that w lived across the street. Our, our maiden name starts with a D and her last name started with a D. And so our restaurant was called D&D's Restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> and we would make... I remember making Parin, our godfather, a tuna fish sandwich. And he just gave us like all the change he had in his pocket. And we thought that we were rich. Like I remember feeling guilty for charging him the menu price. I was like, oh, maybe we shouldn't have done that. And of course, he's probably handing over like 75 cents worth of money or whatever. Did you ever play restaurant? I didn't play restaurant, but I played office a lot. And I remember we had uh, an out off of the laundry room, a little storage room with a desk set up. And I remember in the summertime setting up my quote, quote, office down there. And yeah, it was my office. That is so office. funny. I know. Do you also remember when we used to play cooking show? I don't remember you and me doing it. I remember doing it with a friend. Oh my gosh. I did it all the time. I did it until into adulthood. Like I would just do it in my mind if I was cooking because <laughs> I don't, I'm an okay cook, but I don't love cooking. So I had to do something to make it more entertaining for myself. So I would just narrate it like it was a show in my head. Okay, now I sound crazy. We're probably going to need to edit this part. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you think if you want to be a banker and I wanted to be a boss, how did we end up in hospitality? I mean, I can tell you exactly because you got a job as a hostess at the restaurant on the beach Therefore, I had a ride to a job when I was 15. Mom and dad said yes. And I mean, that that's how I started and fell in love with it. And, you know, and we've talked about this before, um, I think even on your show, that Panama City, where we grew up, it's such a hospitality-driven area that those were the jobs that were available when you were, you know, a teenager and 
then when you're in college, the best way to make money is waiting tables. And then you get into the inner workings of it. And, um, you know, we, we were both just so good at it. Because <laughs> we were bosses. Because- I I think there's also something to... So people, you know, people always ask like, oh, are your parents in hospitality? No, our parents are educators. But our parents entertained like mad people. Yes. They and their friends had more dinner parties, cocktail parties, celebrations and events. I mean, I don't think other people entertain like that. So I think we got to see sort of, I don't know if like a hospitable example. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And I mean, I can think about every Sunday night, Aunt Addie and Parin would come over for dinner and Parin with his background and all of his expertise in hospitality, he taught us how do you serve and clear a plate? How do you pour wine? How do you do this? On a mundane Sunday night dinner, we're learning the inner workings of, uh, you know, fine dining service. That reminds me of... Okay, so when I was nine and you were six going on seven, so it was that very brief period of time in the year when I'm three years older than you instead of two. (laughs) Brief. (laughs) So it was the summer I turned nine and you were six. We were going on a family vacation to Washington, D.C. with Aunt Addie and Parin. And one of the plans was that the adults were wanted to go to this restaurant called the... I think it was called the Trellis. And I feel like it was in Old Town Alexandria, but I recently read that it might have been in Williamsburg. So I'm not sure. But anyway, it was a fancy, fancy restaurant. And because we were still so little, they weren't sure if we would be able to handle it. And do you remember this? I'm sure you don't because you were so little. They had a practice dinner for us at mom and dad's house. And they had the table set with all the glasses, all the silverware, everything. And we're like making sure that we knew how to... What forks to use and like how to mind our manners and how to break a piece of bread off and butter it and all that stuff. Do you remember that? Vaguely. I just remember having etiquette classes at the table. And I think it kind of stemmed from that. And I remember the accolades we received after that dinner. Yes. Like we did it. Yes. Well, and I guess like some other people in the restaurant came up to mom and dad and were like, your children are so well behaved. And I'm sure they were like, yeah, because we uh, gave them a training boot camp (laughs) before we got here. We threatened them within an inch of their lives. (laughs) But I, you know, that, I mean, that kind of stuff happened with much more regularity in our growing up than I think most people's. I don't know. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. I mean, and that stemmed from not not only the dinner parties, but to your point, the cocktail parties. And we always had a role and we knew our role and we executed it. And it was, you know, you fill the water glasses before anybody sits down. You, you know, you you knew the things to do. And so we we were, were in essence staff. <laughs> <laughs> we were kind of staff. I remember um the Christmas Eve Eve party that they used to have. It was a big cocktail party and it was at our godparents' house. 
And they invited people for three different times because it was kind of a small space and they wanted to invite a lot of people. So they would invite some people to arrive at 6, some people to arrive at 6.30 and some people to arrive at set whatever, different times. And our jobs, in addition to helping like bus dishes and pick stuff, pick we up garbage. We were also the coat check. Don't forget we were coat check. <laughs> yes. But our, another one of our jobs was to keep our eyes open for people who didn't have someone to talk to. Do you remember that? No, I, I don't remember that detail. I remember hanging out with the bartender a lot. <laughs> that tells us everything we need to know about you. And he taught me a six count pour when I was like nine years old. And oh I was my like, God. Oh, okay. That's so funny. <laughs> I still do a six count pour. No. no, but listen. So I remember mom saying, we want to make sure that everyone has a nice time at this party. And if you see someone who looks like they don't have a friend or don't have someone to talk to, go up and say hello and introduce yourself and ask them a question. And, you know, I was like, okay, got it. And I did it. But man, looking back on that, what amazing training for our careers. Because I can talk to anybody, anybody, anywhere. And Caddy, I am always on the lookout for that person that doesn't have someone to talk to. Like that, I feel like that's like my vocation in life. Do you know I what I mean? I do that now that you say it without being cognizant of it. I mean, yeah. it's, yeah, it's just an innate for us because we were, yeah. It's because we did our 10,000 hours at that Christmas party. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember any of the food that they served? They always did a uh, that seven layer dip, and Aunt Addie would make two separate ones. So then, with the different shifts, there could be a oh, brand new setup. Oh yeah! And it had—I remember having that. There was there were way fancier foods and all that at the party, but uh-huh. that, that was up my alley. You know, that was my thing. Yeah, probably a lot of the things they served were things that you didn't like. Yeah, I remember. That was the first time I ever had caviar was at that party. And they had like the caviar service, which I have now replicated. I have almost the exact same bowl and all this stuff because I thought it was so cool. That made a big impression on me when I was little. And then mom used to make this um, thing called herb cheesecake. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? It's sort of yes. like boars and cheese. Yes. Similar, but a little more dense. Very delicious. I love that. Yes. And I just remember... <laughs> You know, at Christmas, we had such a schedule. Yes. And that was the 23rd. Then the 24th was Aunt Judy and Uncle Larry and the neighbors coming over and another little cocktail party that used some of the other things that we had left over from that that were served then. And But that Christmas Eve cocktail party started before the Christmas Eve. Right. And so that was a longer standing tradition. Well, yeah. And then on Christmas Day... I think when we were really little, we used to go to Graceville to grandma and grandpa. We would drive up there. Yes. And then when we were older, they came to us. And Mm -hmm. instead of having like a Christmas dinner, quote, quote, we started having brunch. Do you remember that? Yes. I got it. It was like the greatest thing that ever happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because I was always so picky with all the foods and y'all had such more refined palates. And this was... Breakfast casserole. Yes. And I was like, yes. That's so funny. So do you like the traditional breakfast casserole with sausage or do you like it with ham? 
Um, I think I prefer it with sausage, but I think back then I I preferred it with ham. Interesting. Yes. But I, I feel like mom would do both ways. I can't remember for sure. I think you're right. Or else like maybe alternate or something like that. Okay. But we have to keep going with all the different things because there there's more in the Christmas agenda. So oh. <laughs> after Christmas day came Christmas night. And where other families might have prime rib or a ham, we had all of our parents' friends and their children, our friends, come over to eat Kat's favorite food, red beans and rice. It was such a pleasure. Let me tell you. (laughs) I like it. but Everybody likes it but me. Do you know the origin of how they started doing that? It has a New Orleans like history, right? And since dad's from New Orleans? Well, I'm not sure about that. I just know, I think it was before any of the kids were even born that the their like group of friends would all come home from celebrating the holidays with their families and want a party. Oh, and yes, so yes, they yes. got together on Christmas night and made red beans and rice and partied with each other. Probably because they were all teachers and that's about what they could afford. Yeah, probably so. (laughs) And I mean, I think they've been doing that for like 50 years. Seriously. That's wild. Can you imagine? And now that that's moved off of Christmas night to the next night, the 26th, which is Boxing Day. But when we were growing up, do you remember what the Boxing Day tradition was? But it was a short-lived tradition. Yeah, it was pretty short. But it was uh, tea. At Addie's house, we'd get out the silver service for high tea. Right? Oh, really? No, That's I was thinking I of they used to have a fancy... Annie Parin used to have a fancy dinner party on Boxing Day. Maybe it maybe it morphed into tea at some point. I don't or know. maybe I'm thinking of a totally different day. Yeah, it was a 4th of July tea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good, <laughs> good work. <laughs> like the queen would have. Yes, you know, <laughs> to celebrate the colony. <laughs> what are some other holiday traditions? Not It doesn't just have to be about Christmas, but like what are some other holiday traditions that you remember from when we were growing up? Well, our Thanksgiving was definitely the most bizarre Thanksgiving of anyone we knew. Yes, and still remains the same. Yes, although it's pared down. It's pared down a little bit. But it used to be, I want to say, six courses or Talk us through it. Okay. So first you arrive... There are hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> first, first, you arrive. Welcome. First things first. <laughs> hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> Would you like a Bloody Mary, a glass of wine? Uh, so hors d'oeuvres in the living room. And then when it's time to sit down for the main event, we all sit at a table that mom and dad have had about 45 different leaves built for so yes. it turns it's it seats four or it seats 40 yeah <laughs> i mean that's a, not really but you know it's stretched out and but beautifully decorated always to the nines tablecloth uh flower arrangements all the crystal all the china all the silver and when i say all i literally mean all <laughs> because we have so many courses to come. We're going to need all the silverware. Yes. In addition to uh, salt cellars, every each person had their own little individual salt cellar with the itty bitty tiny spoon. I remember that to me was the coolest thing ever. Oh, the height of glamour. Truly, like it yes. was. Yeah, 
In fact, just last week when I was there for Thanksgiving, we used the salt, salt cellars and it brought such memories. Do Good you memories. have salt cellars? I don't. We, I think I started a collection and then I realized that, you know, that, yeah. that just wasn't me. I have some. I don't know that I've used them that often though. I'm going to have to get those out. Anyway, carry on. But do you know what I do have though that they don't? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to me. <laughs> Not to brag, <laughs> but knife rests. Oh, I like those. Yeah. I bought them at a flea market in Paris and oh, it was... well. I mean, how uh, unglamorous of you humble bride, (laughs) (laughs) but they're so cool. And I never even, that was never part of their thing. So Mm -mm. I didn't really even know what they were, but anyways. Um, so back to Thanksgiving. Yeah. So, uh, where we were the servers for sure. Okay. But finish with the table because you left out a key component. Oh, uh, was it, is it the dessert tower? Yes. The dessert tree, I think is what dad calls it. Yes. And I mean, now I want to say there are two or three on the table. I think it maybe started with one, but just the beautiful tiered silver serving dishes that mm-hmm. had small little pedophores and divinity and just small bite-sized desserts. So you've got all the beautiful desserts and it's just as much part of the uh, tablescape. <laughs> I don't think we called it tablescape no, back then, but, but now it, it's like a yeah. thing or whatever. But they were always doing that. I feel like the first dessert tree it was something that mom bought. I want to say like at an antique store in New Orleans or something like that. I remember it being very special. And it was a purchase that she kind of like maybe thought about or maybe she got it for a Christmas gift. I can't remember. But it, the very... I know she doesn't still have the same first one. But the first one was like, dun, 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 the dessert tree. Right. Yeah. Introducing. Okay. So then we're clock, clocked in for service and we've filled the water glasses. <laughs> it sounds so bad. It's fun. No, I'm, I know I'm playing because that's... I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were saying about how we started our um, hospitality careers. Yeah. So, by, by being employed for no money by our parents. <laughs> I tell people I was 15 years old as a hostess, but now that we're having this conversation, I believe it was closer to six years old. (laughs) No. Um, So the first course was always pickled shrimp. It wasn't always pickled shrimp, but yes. Was it? No. In my Um, memory, it was. Okay. So we have to back up before you start saying the courses, because the most important thing for people to understand is that Thanksgiving, like in normal places, you have a huge table or buffet full of food. Everyone serves themselves. You sit down, you eat your food, and then you watch football. That used to make my mother insane because you would spend the entire day preparing for a 15-minute meal and that was it. So instead of doing it that way, I think it was mom, maybe it was mom and dad, who knows, they decided to have a coursed Thanksgiving dinner with the traditional food, but also with some fancier stuff so that all of the effort they put in wasn't just like, Okay, we've been cooking for eight hours and now this party's over in 10 minutes. Peace, you know. Yes, so anyway. exactly. That's why it's how it began. Yes. And so the first course is always some sort of seafood appetizer, most often pickled shrimp. But in the early days, she used to make this thing called Coquille Saint-Jacques, which is like oh, a scallop yep. dish because Uncle Johnny really loves that. Right. So carry on. Okay. 
So first course, a seafood of some sort. Um, and then of course we had a special little fork for that. <laughs> and then, um, the next course was soup. Yes. A creamed soup, a creamy, creamy vegetable soup. And the vegetables have been different things over the years. So I remember cream of carrot. Asparagus was my favorite. Yes. Cream of asparagus is the best one. I think. What did you guys have this year? Uh, corn and crab. Oh, wow. Crazy. I know. I know. Did you like that one? I did. I liked it a lot. It was really good. That sounds good. And um, did you ever do potato? I don't know. Huh. Well, anyways, so the, <laughs> the next course is the main course. I think so. But I feel like Ma, they, mom used to plate it. The turkey and the oyster dressing. I know we now. No, that part was always on. Uh, that was always serve yourself. Okay. So, like that... the main event with turkey dressing, blah, 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 blah. But we have to talk about the side dishes because I also think our side dishes are weird compared to other people. They are, but they've become a little more normal. But you talk about the side dishes. Okay. So, when we were really little, our grandfather would bring, a, would make and bring a smoked turkey, which is my favorite way to eat turkey to this very day. And then we would have those sweet potatoes with freaking marshmallows on top, which is the grossest product that has ever been produced. Yes. Grandma would make that, right? Yes. And I understand that people like it. I am not one of those people. Yuck. And then we had oyster dressing. So this is something funny because I think only Southerners say dressing. Most people say stuffing. But then I also heard someone say that stuffing is only if you put it in the bird and dressing is if it's over to the side. Either way, I say dressing, it was never put in the bird. But it's like a traditional sausage um, stuffing, but also with oysters added to it. It was kind of a New Orleans recipe. That's something that dad made every year. And then for the rest, like I feel like we never had any vegetables. Because we didn't. Okay. And yes. we never had macaroni and cheese. People talk about that all nope. the time. We never had mashed potatoes, nary nope. a one, only sweet potatoes. We had cranberry sauce, which ick. <sighs> what else? Rolls. Because that's basically all I had for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Rolls. <laughs> truly. That was, I didn't mean, I don't, you know, as a picky, picky, picky eater, that uh -huh. truly was my Thanksgiving was a roll. How did we not have a green vegetable? I mean, we did not have a dinner any night without a salad and we a vegetable. We might have had the green bean, almond, almond, green bean, almondine. Uh-huh. Is that what you call that? Yeah. It's it's a rhyme <laughs> all the green time. Green bean, almondine. <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't have green bean casserole. Like, we didn't have any of that stuff. Nope. Nope. That's so weird. So I have asked mom about this before. And when she was growing up, her mom, our grandma, not a not a chef <laughs> per se. <laughs> and I think that one of the reasons why mom and dad started hosting Thanksgiving was because one time they went there for to great to grandma and grandpa's for Thanksgiving and our grandma made some kind of like turkey loaf roll up that you sliced and it freaked dad out so much that he was like, peace out on this. We're doing Thanksgiving from now on. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yes. 
bless her heart. She was many things, but a cook was not one of them. All right. So that's the main course or the main event. Then what came next? Then next, we would switch wines. We would drink an Aussie Spumante, which back then, whenever I got to have a sip, was super cool. Now it is like literally one of my least favorite things to drink because it's too sweet. It's too sweet. Yeah. Yep. I don't. I don't want sweet champagne. But back then, I remember thinking I was hot stuff when uh-huh. I got to have a. Well, a little... we would have sparkling apple cider. We weren't boozing it up at Thanksgiving, little children. Not little children, but you know, when we were a little bit older. We got taste. I did. I was gonna say <laughs> doesn't sound familiar to me, but okay. And then it was time to uh, indulge in the tree, the, the no, dessert tree. You're skipping one. No, that's after that. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh huh. No. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. So, what <laughs> we're talking about is I say that the next course is fruit and cheese. And th- the reason that I know this is because I was always responsible for plating the fruit and cheese. It was my every single year I did this, and it would be a little bunch of grapes. And like maybe a strawberry, a star fruit slice or some kiwi slices because back in the 80s, those were like, you know, rare commodities. And then a little piece of brie and probably like a little piece of cheddar cheese or something like that on a plate. Again, the height of glamour back in the day. That was after dessert. No, dude. Here's why. I'll prove it to you. Because you... <laughs> because you would have the fruit and cheese and then you kept your same plate and then you would serve yourself from the dessert tree onto your fruit and cheese plate for dessert. Correct. Boom. <laughs> All right. I think you're right. I am. But, but I'm going to say we should have done it the other <laughs> All right. Whatever you say. The- Don't you think there was maybe a salad in there too? There should have been. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that would have done the trick for the green vegetable. Well, I have to ask mom. She's going to listen to this and be like, you little idiots. You don't remember anything. Well, I'll tell you what. It always felt like it was like seven or eight courses. But uh-huh. then when we say it back, I guess it wasn't that many. But it was just so unique for anybody's Thanksgiving. It was just so different. Yes. And I think it still is. And it's so fun. I, what I like about... I mean, aside from the like the event doesn't just happen in 10 minutes and then you're done, is that there are sort of rules of thumb for each course, but every year would be a little bit different. So like, is it Coquille Saint-Jacques? Is it pickled shrimp? Right. You know, blah, blah, blah. And then the dessert course, she mom used to order all that stuff. And now she makes a lot of it. Like, what did y'all have this year? It was a hybrid this year. Uh, and Aunt Judy brought divinity and fudge. Mm. And then mom ordered a couple of things or she ordered like the tartlet shell and she filled it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had like gorgonzola stuffed dates. Gorgonzola Ooh, yummy. Yes. So I brought the dessert wine this year, which was a Saltern. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you that that with the gorgonzola date was the best. Ooh, that sounds good. But this year we're doing a little bit different. We didn't, we skipped the shrimp course. Okay. So, because the crab was in the corn soup. Right. And plus, she was trying to pare it down a little bit. So, part of the hors d'oeuvres in the beginning included the shrimp, okay. which I thought was brilliant. And um, 
the soup, like I said, it was the corn and the crab. Then we had the main and then we just did the dessert. We didn't do cheese and fruit. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. So still not like wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, but not quite as big of an ordeal as in the past. Well, that's cool. Cool, cool, cool. When we recorded this episode, Kat and I ended up having a lot more to say than we expected. So stay tuned for part two of our conversation about holiday traditions, episode 66, that will be out in the feed next week. Thanks so much for listening and Merry Christmas. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 65. Top Floor is produced by John Albano, who also composed and performed our elevated elevator music with vocals by Cameron Albano. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues after you leave us a five-star review. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode. 